There was a breeze blowing, the sun was rising, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Looking up into the sun as it bounced off the Manhattan landscape gave the morning a blush-colored tone. Before we go forward, let me provide you with some background on Phil Storm. I was born in Philadelphia, yes, just like the city, Alan Storm, on February 29, 1920, in Manhattan, New York. Yes, I am a leap year baby. When my mother became pregnant, she knew I would be a Nobel Prize winning child. I know that because she gave me a first name that required a first grade student to spell at a fifth grade level. I was fortunate that everyone but my mother called me Phil. A first grader could spell Phil. My middle name is the first name of my absentee father. This was my mother's way of ensuring I would always remember something about my father. As a young man, I was fascinated with police officers. What fascinated me was their uncanny ability to take scraps of information, sometimes microscopic in size, and locate a lawbreaker. I wasn't classified as a lawbreaker, but being with friends at the wrong time did bring police officers to our home. Having police officers visit my home was uncomfortable, but what was worse was when my mother would call me from my bedroom. Philadelphia, come explain yourself to this police officer. She just wouldn't call me Phil. With high school behind me, I searched for the perfect job, but in the end, all I found was a variety of dead-end jobs. Then, on November 7th of 1941, I knew who my next employer would be. I enlisted in the U.S. Navy. While growing up, I'd watch ships enter and leave the New York Harbor. I would try to guess where each ship was going and what it would be like seeing the world as a crew member. Two weeks after enlisting in the Navy, I was off to recruit training at the Naval Recruit Training Center at Great Lakes, Illinois, just outside Chicago. All of the recruits boarded a train at Grand Central Station. I'd never been anywhere except the various boroughs that made up the city. This was going to be my first opportunity to see other cities and states. I was excited with the thoughts of seeing the world. When we boarded the train, we were assigned a specific train car and seat. I had a window seat. For the first several hours, my nose was attached to it, absorbing everything that could be seen. I didn't know any of the other recruits, so I was pleased with my window seat. There were two men seated beside me. I did determine that they were from Brooklyn, and they knew each other. As the darkness began to replace the light, our train car became quiet. The night was like magic to me. At first, I could see the moon, stars, and lights from passing towns. Then the moon and stars disappeared as the sky was covered with clouds. I'd never seen anything so black. In the city, if clouds covered the stars and moon, there was always light from the buildings and streetlights. The only noise was the clattering of the train's wheels against the tracks. I couldn't allow myself to doze off. I felt insecure and alone in the darkness. I did fall asleep, because my dark would change into a cloudless day. The first thing I noticed when I awoke was the young man seated beside me. He was carving designs in his wooden seat with a pocket knife. By the time we arrived in Chicago, he had very little seat left. He'd also carved most of his friend's seat. I was afraid their seats would give way under their weight. When we arrived in Chicago, we were placed on buses for the trip to the recruit training center. Upon completing recruit training, I received orders assigning me to the aircraft carrier, USS Franklin. CV-13. It was moored at the U.S. Naval Base, Alameda, California. Once I'd reported aboard the Franklin, I was assigned to G-Division. The men assigned to G-Division handled the ordnance stored aboard the ship. When the various bombs, rockets, missiles, or flares were to be moved to the flight deck or hangar deck, 
G-Division positioned them. Then the air wing would spot them and load them on the aircraft. The work was demanding and very physical. I enjoyed moving the ordnance to the flight deck. It gave me an opportunity to see the day and get a breath of fresh air. This particular job would not offer me many civilian opportunities other than ensuring that I would be in great physical condition. Then on March 19, 1945, the thing that every sailor dreads happened. My crew was on the flight deck behind the island, the superstructure where the ship is controlled. A single Japanese airplane was spotted heading for our ship. That one Japanese airplane managed to drop two armor-piercing bombs. They penetrated the flight deck and exploded on the hangar deck. The hangar deck was covered with ordnance. The explosion that followed was devastating.